Hello, I'm Edgar Papke, and welcome to True Alignment, broadcasting uh, live from the Innovation Center in Anderson College for Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. It's great uh, that uh, you're able to join us today. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, Ken Sagendorf, he's, he's out on a bit of a journey. He's attending a conference in Nolens this week. Uh, good old Nolens. Uh, shout out to everyone down there. Um, hello to you all. And um, so uh, what we've decided to do today uh, is to just answer some questions. As you know, we every week we invite you to share your thoughts, your comments, your questions with us, and you can email us at uh, info at truealignment.com. And as always, you can also email us directly, uh, ken at truealignment.com and edgar at truealignment.com. So uh, as always, it's, it's great to hear from you all. Uh, we've we've uh, decided since Ken's not here that this might be a good uh, format for the day. And so if you uh, are listening and you want to add any questions, please do so. So uh, today's reader of the questions, um, Jim Newhaffen, how are you today? Hey, Edgar, I'm doing pretty good. Good. As, as uh, some of you may know, Jim is our uh, engineer, our producer, and all-around good guy who helps us to uh, put out this podcast every week and allows us to, to engage with you all. So uh, thanks, Jim, as always. And also a quick shout-out to Nick Smarto and, and the Skinny. Uh, just uh, uh, We use their music as our intro and exit music every week. And it's great stuff, and if you uh, can, you ought to visit Spotify and iTunes and everywhere else where you might find uh, Nick and his band. Uh, just, uh, we always appreciate being able to use their delightful music uh, on our program. So, uh, Jim, uh, what have you got for us here? Uh, I know you've uh, been sorting through some some questions, and so looking looking forward to hearing what they are. Yeah, I got all kinds of good questions for you. Uh, I was just reading through these, and <laughs> there's some really good questions in here for you. I think these uh, these are really going to challenge you today. I know it's uh, maybe not Ken, or you know, I may not have the movie quote of the day, but <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll well give you, it a go. If you get a movie, if you get a movie quote of the day, let let's hear it. I know yeah. Ken will be happy if I can figure one out, but. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, let's kick it off. Um, so our first question that comes in uh, is, our team comes up with lots of good ideas. We agree that we ought to implement them and then don't. How can we do better, even when it looks like we are aligned? Mm. So a lot, uh, there a lot actually, uh, several thoughts come to mind around this one. Uh, the first one is is to... Just begin with a conversation on the team to make sure that you are all aligned on uh, what your what your purpose is, what your mission is, and why you exist in the first place. And uh, also to be able to look at your team within the construct of wherever you are in the organization, how well aligned your goals and your outcomes are to the organizational strategies and vision to make sure you've got that alignment in place. That allows you for two things. One is to verify your alignment as a team and to be able to have the conversation about what that alignment looks like. The next thought that comes to mind then is is a clarity of priority. One of the things that uh, working with teams that we encounter quite often is the desire for people to want to do a lot. In other words, in the planning process or uh, in ideation and coming up with new ideas and 
new paths that you could take and, and uh, new areas of success that you want to achieve. A lot of times teams have the tendency to try and do too much or individuals on the team want to try and step in and do whatever they can and not with bad intention, rather with good intention to try and um, to uh, as much as possible contribute to the outcome of the team. Unfortunately, when you're trying to do a lot and individuals are also going off in different directions, doing different things, that can cause, um, really, in a way, even though you think you're aligned, you're actually falling into misalignment. And so the second thought here is as a conversation for the team uh, to want to have is to all get together and talk about what it is that you're trying to achieve together as a team, align it to the vision, and then to be able to get clear on what the priorities are and establish clear priorities on here are the things that we really need to focus on and execute on so that you don't find yourself going off in a lot of different directions. Again, one of the things we we find is that people that are contributing and want to contribute at a high level will often do that. And unfortunately, as they do that, some of their efforts may be out of alignment with what's truly the priority of the team and what it needs to get uh, accomplished. And then there's a third thought that comes to mind, and this is the one where, and this is consistent with the feedback that we've gotten for decades. As, as you probably, as many of you out there know, we've had tens of thousands of people attend different forms of the true alignment workshops and training for the last 25 years. And the key piece of feedback that we always get is that looking at it through the lens of alignment and having a framework for the conversation of alignment is one of the most valuable aspects of the work that they do. And, and, and in using the true alignment framework, it allows you to create the kind of clarity that you're looking for, as well as then uh, defining roles of individuals on the team, uh, coming together to understand what the priorities are, of what everyone's contributing to. Having the framework allows you to have the conversation of what alignment looks like and at times to have the difficult conversations when there's conflict around what the priorities are and what people to uh, are expected to contribute. I'm hoping that that's helpful. I think you answered the question pretty well. Um, I can definitely think of a few times I've had uh, team members that fit some of those bills you were speaking of. Um, I have the next... My, my, my sense is you're one of those people. <laughs> I know I've been one of those people before. <laughs> that likes to contribute a lot and just, What's, hey, let's try this and that. And I think that's the thing. Like, you know, they care so much that they yeah. question everything because they don't want to make the wrong decision. Yeah, and one of the things about that is uh, you don't want to dampen creativity. You know, part of this is that people come up with really creative ideas. I think it's important for people on the team to recognize that when you have a really, truly creative idea and you want to experiment with it, you might want to let the other people on the team know about it. That doesn't mean that it ought to get shut down. That just means it needs to be explored, which is what great innovation is about. It, it's that uh, curiosity and exploration of ideas with one another. Yeah, um, I, I think the delivery yeah. of that is usually the, uh, the misalignment. Yeah, there's also one other thing here I think that's important to recognize, and that is that uh, sometimes what can happen is um, as a team um, and leaders of teams uh, sometimes hear different ideas um, that they don't create a, a, uh, 
a, a platform for those ideas. In other words, they they wind up being one-off ideas that people bring to them and don't get uh, don't get uh, explored further. I think it's important also who's ever leading the team needs to be able to hear those ideas through the lens of okay, how can we how can we um, have a cadence or a framework for how the team operates that brings these ideas back to the team to explore further and take a look at. And again, that allows for the conversation around alignment and about priority and role definition and and what resources to put in into play. I think this next question lines up perfectly um, with where we're heading uh, and where we just were. Uh, When getting the right people together for a team, it seems like everyone having the same type of personality would be easier. Yet, it seems that diversity is also important. What's your advice? Yeah. Actually, that's one that shows up a lot in the workshops that we do with teams and leaders around alignment. And uh, when you look at the alignment framework, you see that there's underlying motivations to, you know, we are naturally as human beings. And it would be on the surface easily um, interpreted as, well, if everyone has the same motivation and the same personality, that's going to make life easier because we're all going to think alike. To some extent, that's actually true. Well, there's the other side of the coin that says, well, we also need diversity of thought. We need diversity of ideas, diversity of skills, talents, capabilities, competencies. So how do we how do we manage those? And I think it's important here, and we've talked about this already on this podcast, to think about it in terms of integration, to think about how do we integrate differing personalities, differing differing approaches to how work gets done, to thinking strategically, and to recognize the importance of being able to, again, create an alignment and a common framework that we integrate everyone into. Sometimes what happens to us, and this is natural in relationships and especially for leaders, this idea of the balance and the balance versus integration that we've talked about, that very often as we try and balance, what we do is we have competing forces or competing energies and, and um, uh, competing talents and, or ideas. And uh, we see that more as trying to just balance those with, with one another. And balance is fraught with fear that we're going to fall or we're going to drop something. So one of the things that I would suggest to you is always look at this through the lens of integration, And how do we integrate diversity? How do we integrate diversity of thought, competency, capability? Because we do want to have a common framework for how we think about our work and what we're trying to achieve. The realization is that everyone comes to a team with really two key elements as to who they are. The first one is their past success. Because what we do naturally as human beings, we want to replicate the past success that we've had. And the uh, second one is just naturally what motivates us and, and what, what drives us to want to achieve and how we want to achieve and what we get satisfaction and fulfillment from. So I'm going to come back to this idea that having a framework is going to be very useful. And so to be able to have a framework allows you to have the conversation in the context of the business or the team and what you're trying to achieve. And so we can talk about the likenesses. We can talk about the differences. Now, this goes beyond just what we're typically going to think about in terms of using a personality type assessment. I think that's a good starting point. I think furthermore, what we need to be able to do is have a conversation about 
the underlying motivations that each person on the team has and how they align to uh, motivationally what the team is trying to accomplish and achieve and to recognize that there's going to be different ways of operating around those different motivations. So we need to have a conversation about those differences and how we align, how we bring it together so we can be more successful as a group. So yes, while on the surface, everyone having like personality is going to make life easier. It doesn't always. I mean, if we all have, if we all have the personality of being drivers and liking to work independently, we might struggle with how it is that we all come together as a team. Or if we're all very harmonizing and we all want to be together all the time, we may, we may struggle with the idea of how it is that we challenge one another, challenge the team as a whole to do better. So we need diversity. We need diversity of people that want inclusion and participation, those that are driven towards wanting to be experts and competent, and also those that are, you know, they're, they're team members because they're curious and they want to contribute, and they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to, to try and be of help. So we see these different motivations coming together, and again, it's so important to be able to have a conversation about the motivations and who we all are, and then to put that into the context of what we're trying to achieve, what our goals are, and what our definitions of success are. Yeah, and I think, like, I've heard you guys say so many times, um, you know, with open communication and the ability to resolve conflict in, like, a manageable way, um, it really brings creative solutions to that diversity and conflict. Like, uh-huh. if you didn't have that creative or that conflict and diversity, there would be no solution It just... You know, I feel like it would just be stagnant. Yeah, it can be because very often what happens, like kind, we become so familiar that we um, we have a tendency at times to become complacent and not go forward. There's something I want to add to this that you just mentioned that I think is real important. And we know this based on our study of high-performing teams as well as what makes organizations innovative. And that is that the number one Um, barrier that's seen by leaders in organizations to higher levels of performance and innovation is a lack of problem-solving skill. So what we find is really good organizations that are highly innovative and uh, very engaging are those that teach their people a problem-solving process, one that's used consistently. When teams do really well, it's because very often what we find is that they have established processes that everyone understands how things get done so that when we look at alignment, what and why, and then the richness of the how, we come back to understanding how important it is for teams to actually have team process that's understood by everyone on the team and that is actually a form of competency. To be a high-achieving team member, you need to understand what the process is. That is, is, is definitive of what we find in terms of really high-performing organizations and teams because those differences and how people are thinking and how they're uh, going about their work can then be talked about. What we find is when there's established processes for problem-solving, those are then used in alignment to having established processes for conflict management. In other words, the elements are the same. We need to be able to listen to one another and hear one another and be curious about each other's thinking. We need to be able to understand what the right problems are that need to be solved, 
and and what brainstorming looks like. Uh, brainstorming is kind of interesting. If uh, if I'm working with a group of engineers, sometimes the best thing to do, rather than try and get them to engage them in the conversation, is is ask a question and have everyone write down their answer, and then read the answer. Go around the room and read it. And that's actually a process of ideation that works in design thinking very often. The reason we use sticky notes is because it's a fast way and effective way to get everybody's ideas out on the table. So I encourage all of you out there, if if you're a member of a team or leading a team in any way, I encourage you to to, um, uh, get get a process in place for, for problem solving and for innovation that works for you. And I think you'll also find that it will help you to navigate conflict more effectively. I think that's perfect. Uh, it actually kind of just answered one of our questions that we had in the list. Um, so we'll touch on that. And then I think the next question we need to go into uh, is design thinking. So don't let me forget about that one. Okay. Um, the question that we kind of just talk, talked on is, uh, not all the teams in my company perform at the same level. It makes it hard to continue to be motivated, especially since everyone is getting paid the same. Should I think about leaving? I know I've been in this position. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's a tough one. Should you, should I? Well, I'm certainly not going to. I will encourage you to explore all your opportunities. Um, that goes without saying. Um, yeah. That's actually something that you hear quite a bit about and that you hear people talk about is, um, I work hard, I contribute, I do my job, somebody else doesn't do it as well as I do, or they, at times, they're just quote-unquote skating and getting by, and yet they seem to be treated equally to those that perform. And um, that's, uh, I, I think that's a comparative that a lot of especially high performers will naturally make. I think the first place to start at is, and I, and and my intention here is to be helpful, not to be um, at all critical. Uh, so bear with me on this one. Is that um, I think the first thing to do is is um, be really attentive to yourself. Um, I I think this idea of you know should I even be here or shouldn't I be here is a great question. Anytime we should or could, we're identifying a gap between what we have and what we want anyway, or what we should be doing, right, or could be doing. I think it's important that the first thing you do is really evaluate your yourself and your own alignment. Um, it, it is what you're doing and how you're spending your time in alignment to who you really want to be. I think that that's the place that I would suggest you start, and be clear that if you're in an in a work in a working environment or workplace that's not aligned to your values. And what is it you're really seeking? Keep in mind that you have the power of choice. And so ultimately it's going to be your decision. It's up to you, just like your question says. You know, I think about leaving. I think there's a, um, there's a, uh, a need to be open and honest with yourself about where you're at and whether you're happy or not. And to begin with that, it's really difficult to work in a situation where you're blaming or constantly critical of others. And one of the ways to overcome that is to begin to not be critical and perhaps engage people in conversations, how you might be able to help them, how you might be able to help them succeed and perform at a higher level, or get to know them 
to the degree of what makes what makes them tick and what motivates them or, or gets in the way of their motivation. Much like you're looking at yourself now, you may want to look at others through that lens, through empathy and understanding, and begin to explore a little bit more about what they're feeling about their work and what's working and what's not working for them. I think that would be useful. After all, we're all human beings, and so we have to see ourselves through that human-centered lens and better understand one another. And then I think there's something else in, in terms of reaching out and offering to help others to, to perform at higher levels, and that is to build collaborations in a way to partner, to team with people, um, not just to step in and help them, rather to work with them and engage them at higher levels. Sometimes just simply the idea of people not feeling alone and feeling engaged by others is a tremendous motivation. Uh, very often when people are underperforming, it's because they do have a sense of feeling alone, that they're unhappy, they feel disconnected. Engagement, while it's up to organizations and leaders to create engagement in organizations, at the high level, it's, it's really up to all of us as we work with one another to be able to reach out and build connection to one another. And I think this has become more and more evident, and we've talked about this through the pandemic, that as people are coming out of the pandemic, there's this desire, need, and at the same time, it's kind of like, whoa, now I'm back in the office, and i got to worry about all these relationships again. It wasn't a lot easier when I was disconnected. And so we're finding our way and feeling our way back through this idea, too, uh, back through to um, reestablishing our connections. And I think we have to be able to be aware of that and and even be able to have conversations about that. So how can I connect with the people that I work with? How can I better understand them? How can we work together? How can we collaborate? And, and eventually, we will we'll find better ways to work with one another and, and to uh, build a greater level of consistency around performance and what we expect from one another. I do think, at the end of the day, if you don't see that as being something that, that uh, you believe is achievable or possible, then, yeah, again... At the end of the day, the choice is yours. And answering that last part of the question is, should you leave or not? That's you know, that's the power of choice that you have. Yeah, I think that speaks exactly to my experience in the past. Um, you know, is it possible to achieve alignment not only for yourself but in the workplace? Like, I don't know. So many times it came back to those relationship relationship conflicts, like you were just speaking of. So. Yeah, it does. And uh, the better we reach out, the better we connect with one another, the better we learn to understand one another, which is what a great relationship is really all about. Empathy is understanding someone. I think we need to always be able to come back to that. I had, um, at my most recent workplace, I had a, a relationship that was just like that, an older gentleman working with a younger gentleman. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they were just always butting heads when ultimately when they came to just kind of you know, put oneself in the other shoes, they found out they both, you know, cared about the same things. They both were at the same goal. And so mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting to see them start to work together and yeah. notice that most of their conceptions that they were telling other people were usually wrong. Yeah, and I also think there's that, that one piece of that in there was, uh, you know, you're getting paid equal and you're not putting in the same work. Uh, I think you're going to, in most cases, find that that exists in every environment in the workplace um, to some degree or another. In some in instances, uh, cultures um, do better 
at distinguishing and it's more meritocratic and individual con- contribution is is uh, rewarded more uh, directly and accurately. And in others, it's more of a team game where, yeah, we're all kind of equal here. And so we have to look out for each other. We've got to, at times, even pull each other along a little bit. And that's a part of creating success. I think that's spot on. All right, so the to come back to the other question that mm-hmm. we had, uh, as you were talking about right toward the end of the last question, right. um, this question says, I've heard you talk about design thinking and systems a lot. How important are they to alignment? Oh, yeah. Uh, very important. Uh, here at the university, Regis University at the Anderson College, we, we have a set of pillars around common good and um, systems thinking and and use of data and and um, the, the systems thinking piece, I think, is one that really needs to right now be brought back to um, the level of importance that it that it holds. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, when you look at systems thinking, what you're looking at is that in a context of an organization, activities that are occurring or what what happens in one part of the organization will affect the entire organization. In one shape, form, or another, any actions, any activity that we undertake, any decision we make and implement is going to have an effect, a ripple effect, if you like, or sometimes a very dramatic effect on an organization. So I, I, this idea of systems thinking becomes so, so important in terms of how it is that we see the work we do um, collectively as well as individually and recognize that we all have a lever in the system. And that that becomes so, so important. And that when we, also when we manage differences or conflict, that we look at it in the context that we're in. And so that leads us to find better solutions. I think one of the, I, I was in a meeting with a group of uh, CEOs out in, uh, out in Los Angeles last week and a couple of them are in manufacturing, and they were talking about how how knee-deep all of a sudden, or waist-deep, I should say, or or neck-deep <laughs> in inventory, um, that uh, all of a sudden they have too much inventory. And so, and, and so the conversation is, well, how did you get there? And uh, it's like the old beer game that, that used to be taught at MIT Sloan, is that... Um, uh, a, a set of stores puts a, a certain brand of beer on sale. And then the distributor all of a sudden finds that they're going to have a shortage of beer. So they contact the brewer and the brewer contact, you know, they rev up production and they add another line, production line. And then, of course, they've got to get in all the, uh, you know, in the supply chain, they've got to get all the ingredients for the beer and the barley and the hops and everything. And everybody's starting to load up the inventory because now we've got to produce more until, of course, the moment that the beer is no longer on sale and everything readjusts and all of a sudden everybody's sitting on a ton of inventory. The distributor's got a warehouse full of beer that they can't distribute. The uh, brewer has a bunch of uh, ingredients that that is now sitting there and and uh, could possibly actually spoil. And so uh, <laughs> there it is. And and so this idea of systems thinking allows us to see that when and investigate and explore when something is happening somewhere in the system, and there needs to be an adjustment, or um, um, we have to solve a we have to solve a problem of uh, in the supply chain that we're conscious enough 
to be able to see how that one piece fits into the whole. And as elementary as it sounds, the ability to develop systems thinking becomes one of the key ingredients that we, uh, we uh, one of the key competencies that we need to be able to develop, not just among leaders, also about uh, for people that are in that supply chain or in that system as a whole, because each person needs to be able to understand that their actions and activities will have an influence on the whole. So the, the old beer game, you start sh- seeing it show up now in manufacturing across the board. I, there's um, uh, one, one of the uh, people was saying that now they're sitting on a bunch of glassware that's sitting empty in the warehouse because of the glass and the bottle shortage that everyone is talking about. So they went wherever they could and at times paid some really, really demanding prices for their inventory of glassware that now is sitting there and... Um, it's uh, until it gets used up. It's going to be quite a while, and so there is that uh, a simple idea of let me look and see what my part plays in the whole, and how as we make decisions, we think about systems and we think about design of great solutions to keep that in mind. And uh, that kind of brings me to a an idea where you've created tools for these mm-hmm. identifying these misalignments in these systems, right. right? Yes. How can people find those tools? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would, it's simple. Uh, I, I think the best place to go is get a copy of um, uh, Leadership by Design, where we talk about traits and characteristics. Um, there's uh, the framework for alignment, of course, is in, true, in the book True Alignment. Uh, the best place really in terms of resources and getting answers to questions is to just go ahead and contact us. Um, contact us through uh, True Alignment. Um, info at truealignment.com and um, just let us know that you're interested or you want some answers to questions and we'll provide those for you um, and we'd be happy to do so. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's jump into the next question. I've only got two left, which uh, should take us pretty much to the end. Um, let's go with this guy. The big problem we run into is getting our manager to listen to our ideas. Why is that so often a problem? We're expected to live up to our values, and our manager does not. Uh. Uh, There's a couple of things that are part of that. That's a really good one. Um, So let me come at it from two angles. One is to take the broader view of what happens and perhaps build some empathy for leaders and managers out there that are listening. Um, And then more specifically to if you're an employee that wants to be heard. So the, the first piece of it is, is I think one of the things that we have always struggled with in business and in organizations is what's the level of leadership development that we're doing and how much time and resources are we really putting into developing leaders. The, the age-old uh, scenario still exists where somebody demonstrates that they're technically proficient or good at their jobs and so then they get elevated into a leadership position only to discover that if they keep doing what they're doing before they're they're not leaders they're doers and that gets in the way and it gets in the way in a lot of from a lot of different um, um, angles one is that if you're a doer you're not likely to listen to others as well because you already think you have the answer and you know what 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 success looks like and then there's also that, well, I got to be a leader because I'm really good at this. 
So I'm going to hang on to that because I want to continue being good without really having having a set of expectations about shifting behavior and being good in a different way. That your definition of success changes, and that's important. And so coaching, um, there was even I came across um, uh, the idea of, of, of self-coaching, which I thought was really interesting, which is kind of like self-development. And I just want to suggest to you that that kind of coaching is probably not going to work. Coaching is about having somebody giving you feedback. It's about having a, a, another place or another person to go to to get feedback and to get some really honest and, and accurate assessment of what you're doing and how you're doing it. So I think one of the most important elements to, to create success is that leaders are developed in alignment to the, to the culture that they're in and that there's resources for both development and coaching available to those leaders to be successful. Uh, just like any great performer, having a coach is going to be useful. So that's, that's just that side of it, and that's just kind of top tip of the iceberg. When you look at it from the employee perspective, which is, I think, where this question is coming from, uh, one of the most important things I think that anyone can do in working with a leader is to understand what that leader's definition of success is. In other words, what is it they're trying to accomplish? What does success look like for them? And then to be able to have those kinds of conversations. Keep in mind, not every leader is going to be good at communicating to the team members what the, what the goals are, the definitions of success are, uh, what it's intended to look like, and we get the messages of values and you know, integrity and teamwork and all these different definitions. I think it's important for also to employees to engage leaders and ask them, to be able to ask, you know, what does success look like? What is it that you're, that you're seeking and, and, and what's going to work for you. And that's not meant to be that you're going to fall in line with everything that a leader wants. Rather, it's a way of beginning the conversation of understanding it. One of the, uh, one of the older adages is uh, find out what the leader wants most and give it to them. I, d- I don't think that that's always a good idea. I think you have to be able to look at it through the lens of, of the relationship of that leader to the team to the definitions of success, what you're trying to achieve, and then be able to ask questions and be curious of a leader just like you would anyone else is, you know, what's important to you? What matters to you? What's your, what, what does success look like for you? And, and, and then to be able to have the conversation on what's my part in that and what, what's the role that I play or perhaps at times want to push back on and to help the leader to become better, to, to, uh, to, to become a better leader overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it reminds... It comes back to the conversation and the relationship, doesn't it? Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, one of the managers I really enjoyed working for. Uh, it was pretty often that he used to draw out the uh, the old where's the IN team on the whiteboard. <laughs> and uh, while crude... It Depends what language you're speaking. Yes, it's yeah. usually, uh, usually pretty effective sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's... Uh, kind of the biggest struggle some people have is like, where do they go for these kinds of coaching, like individual coaching or leadership coaching or, you know, do you guys offer that? Well, yeah, we do. (laughs) We spend a lot of time doing that. Um, Yeah. And I think that uh, finding a right, finding the right resource as a mentor coach is priceless. So yeah, we'll, uh, we certainly spend a lot of time coaching leaders 
He spent a lot of time coaching CEOs and founders of organizations, regardless of where they along the timeline are and developing their 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 businesses. Um, yeah, I think I I would suggest that whatever resources you can find to find yourself some coaching is helpful, whether that's provided by the organization or you do that independently, or perhaps you find a mentor in your organization or outside of your organization. One of the things that I think historically mentorship programs in organizations generally did not work well when people were assigned a mentor. It's much like when someone is assigned a coach in an organization. This can happen. This certainly happens to me when a CEO asks me to work with an executive and they say, you know, can you coach them? The first question I always ask is, well, <laughs> am I someone they want to have that relationship with? Because it turns out in most cases, when people select their mentor, when they select their coach, and they have that level of trust, that that's going to be a much better relationship than if they're assigned someone. And I think that's a uh, that's an important piece to, to, to keep in mind. Um, so I, I advocate to everyone, to everyone, regardless what role you're in and what you're doing, find yourself a, a somebody to coach you, to mentor you, uh, I think you'll find that very often you can ask someone that, to fill that role for you and it's not going to cost you anything. Um, or perhaps the organization will provide you with, with that resource to do it. And at other times, I find that if someone is really developing as a leader in an organization and not getting that support, sometimes that's a worthwhile investment to make outside, just like you would for any kind of counseling or advice that you, that you may need or really want to, to be able to be more successful. Right. You invest in your health, you invest in your fitness. Why would you not invest in your in your performance? Yeah. As yeah. a yeah. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to say it, Jim. Thank you. No, thank you. Uh so let's squeeze in our last question. Okay. Um our company is broken into several divisions, making it hard to get resources and have a way of getting heard. Of being heard. Who should be responsible? Uh well, I, I, the obvious answer is that leaders need to be responsible for that. They need to be able to build cultures where there's collaboration across different parts of the organization. And there's also, and this this is where, you know, here's a little bit of systems thinking comes into play, where leaders have to be able to see it as a system as a whole and making sure that uh, people are heard, resources are, are available as, as they're needed. Um, not always are those resources affordable, uh, there's something to be said for the conversation and uh, the ability to uh, to find different ways to approach problems and resource issues that the organization has. So I think that's, a, that's, that's where it really starts with, uh, begins. And the other one goes back to being able to have conversations um, across, across the organization or to encourage leaders in different parts of the organization to reach out and collaborate at higher levels with others. A lot is so is is so much a um, is very cultural. In other words, uh, some organizations and cultures are more collaborative than others. Uh, some find themselves naturally falling into silos, even though if they even though they don't even intend to, it's just a consequence of how they work and how they get the work done. I think it's important to recognize the culture that you're in and be able to see it. Uh, through the lens of um, how are resources obtained, um, how uh, how do we go about being heard better uh, in the organization as a whole, and also 
if we're in the organization, uh, we have to be able to have conversations with our managers and leaders to be able to um, to raise the issues, especially resource issues when when they need to be. It's and and leaders, uh, if you're out there listening, uh, yeah, pay 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 close attention. Very often, uh, when people are saying, you know, I need more resources, or we can't get this done with more resources, very often leaders just say, well, you know, just buckle up and get it done and 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 do it. Um, if you're unable to get more resources for people, I think it's time to have a design session. I think it's time to do some problem solving and uh, innovate to find solutions to the problems, and uh, including when it when it's time to have a real. Uh, sometimes difficult conversation about resources. Look at it as an opportunity to create alignment and create alignment uh, around problem solving and, and innovating solutions uh, so that you can keep moving forward. Engage. I think that's the biggest part is engage first, whether it's yeah. finding someone like you or, you know. Yeah, and internally in the organization, engaging also the people around you. Um, have open and honest dialogue and conversation. Um especially when it comes to resources. Um, it's uh, it's such an important aspect of how we get things done, which is why it's always a, a part of the conversation and can so easily become problematic. And so, yeah, and at the same time, it's an opportunity to teach people how to solve problems and work together and come together around finding paths to, uh, to create, you know, collective uh, success. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, takes us just about to the end, but I think we covered a pretty wide gamut today. Yeah, um, great questions. Everywhere from the employees to uh, leadership to management to organizational level. Um, I think the biggest thing uh, takeaway I think I heard was uh, for an individual looking for resources is there. You, there's some great books that not only you and your partners have written, but uh, that you guys, truealignment.com, is, is a great resource. Yeah, and you can uh, yeah, and you can uh, find the, the listing of publications on that website as well. Great our website, yeah, Great. as always. And I think it's always so awesome that you guys offer up your email, and I think it's an underutilized resource, which you know could be quickly overwhelmed. <laughs> I think, but um, yeah, it's, it's huge a, that you guys offer. You know, it is, and, it, and actually, it's really nice, and it's uh, it's always interesting to see what we get and from where it comes from. Um, it's uh, it's interesting to note that we get uh, we get questions and comments from uh, from all over the world, and it's and it's fun. It is. Oh, so I should shout out hello to everyone in New Zealand. <laughs> Always. Always. Um, well, that just about takes us to the end there, Edgar. Is there anything else you have for the listeners today? Just a lot of gratitude and thanks for listening as as always. Um, it's been interesting to. And this is the first podcast that I had to do solo without Ken since we started them. I know I was missing the uh, the movie quote of the day, but I'm just terrible with movies <laughs> and names and actors and actresses. Yeah, well, that's his gift. <laughs> He's good at it. He's very good right. at it. Well, thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in. I uh, hope to see you again next time around. This is Edgar Papke, and uh, thanks for very much. And thank you, Jim, for today. Thanks for including me. It's, uh, it's great to be on the air with you today. All right, and this is True Alignment. See you next time around. Mm-hmm.